Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, it feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. There's such a sweet spirit. I know I said it last week, but there is a there's a sweet spirit of the Lord in this church. I came in this evening, uh, missed my exit. I ended up plumb down the road somewhere, and I said, "My goodness." I said, we got to get here, and my mind was racing, and my, I had a headache, and I just walked into the presence of the Lord, and I'm telling you, there's nothing like the presence of God. Amen. Brother, if I could have a little more monitor up here. I, I, God dealt with me this evening, this afternoon. I've got a lot of notes, don't know how far I'll get in this thing. And I may say some things that I've said before. But just realize, I know I'm saying it. It's not by accident. But I believe the Lord wants to talk to some people in the building tonight. And I just want to be open to what God has. Amen. Psalm 27 tonight. Such a pleasure to be with you once again this evening. Give honor to your pastor. Appreciate his kindness and his opportunity he afforded me. Psalm 27, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? For the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy i will sing yea i will sing praises unto the lord hear o lord when i cry with my voice have mercy also upon me and answer me when thou said seek ye my face my heart said unto thee thy face lord will i seek hide not thy face far from me put not thy servant away in anger thou hast been my help leave me not neither forsake me o god of my salvation when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. I preach tonight the prototype of a perfect Christian. The prototype of a perfect Christian. Father, tonight we need the help of the Holy Ghost. God, we need to have a spirit of understanding, a mind, a willingness, Lord, to hear and to obey the Word of God. I pray tonight for everyone in the building. God, that we would push aside everything that we 
uh, have preconceived ideas of how you have to move and that we would be open to the Holy Ghost and to what you want to do in this place. God, minister in this house tonight. Can we clap our hands to the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I understand tonight that my title, just from hearing it, can be somewhat of a setback to humanity. Because so far there has not been, other than Jesus Christ, a perfect Christian. I understand also that as long as we are in flesh, perfection is unattainable in flesh. However, that does not mean that we cannot strive for it. See, perfection is the state of humanity in the glorified body. Perfection, I-O-N, is heaven. However... Perfecting is the process of humanity on earth. Thus the Bible said, I gave some evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles for the perfecting of the saints. The process that you and I go through on earth is perfecting to reach perfection which is heaven. Although we all have hang-ups, mess-ups, things that we're not proud of, we cannot let those prevent us from spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is not associated with time. Spiritual growth is a result of adversity and patience. I was taught this by a former drug addict. He had been bound by drugs for years and years and years. I think he started using hard drugs when he was 14 or 15 years old. And he said, he said, when you meet a drug addict that's been on drugs for 15, 20 years, and they've been cleaned up, filled with the Holy Ghost, they're trying to live right, sometimes they come across almost immature, like maybe they're not all there. And he told me, he said, don't judge that person by what you see. He said, because they may be 40 years old. He said, but if you start using drugs when you're 15 years old, like in his case, and you use hard drugs until you're 30 years old and you get clean, your mind is still the mind of a 15-year-old. He said, because maturity takes place through hardship, adversity, and experience. That's what causes you to mature. But people on drugs never have to face reality because they escape everything through a high. Therefore, they never have to hurt. They never have to go through hard times. They never, they don't know what it's like to mature through adversity. Therefore, they may be 40 years old, but but if they started using drugs when they were 15, they may still have the mind of a 15 or 16-year-old. So it, so it is with the Spirit. 
Just because you've been in church 20 years doesn't mean you've been maturing for 20 years. Because we all have our vices or our hang-ups that when we face adversity, we slip back into that thing that is our outlet. Whatever it is, it could be sin, it could be gossip, it could be backbite. Whatever it is, it's your avenue where you channel all of those uh, escape from reality. When we get hit hard with the Word of God, either we can take it and we can use it to, for spiritual growth, or we can shun it and escape through the vices or the, the areas that we've always been used to. Escaping. Amen. That's good preaching, isn't it? When you grow, it's uncomfortable. Hence the phrase growing pains. When you grow, I, I used to say, my, when I was young, I would tell mom, my back's hurt. Then she's, oh, that's just growing pains. So it is in the spirit. Anytime you're going to grow in God, it's going to be uncomfortable. Because the word... The Bible says the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The Spirit is what, we love the Spirit, but it takes the Word to come in and kill those things that are preventing spiritual growth. You ever seen kudzu? Y'all have kudzu around here? Kudzu, if you go go to Mississippi or drive that way, you'll see on the interstates, you'll see a bunch of beautiful trees, and then you'll see just all of the trees covered with it looks like just vines, a big wall of leaves. That's kudzu. And you'll see workers come in and they'll cut this kudzu away from the trees and they'll pile it up in huge piles and burn it. Kudzu is beautiful, but it'll kill a tree because it takes everything that is beneficial, the sun and the water, and so you have to come through and you have to cut kudzu away from the tree. So it is with the word of God. It takes the word to come in and cut those things out of our life that will hinder or prevent spiritual growth. My opinion tonight, chapters 27 of Psalm is a perfect example of humanity striving for perfection. I will consider chapter 27 a prototype of a perfect Christian, this chapter to be understood better has to be divided into five categories. Dependency, desire, divine assistance, direction, and delight. Understand with me tonight that proper spiritual growth is our own responsibility. The old saying, you could take a horse to water but you can't make them drink, is applicable in the church. We can give you doctrine. We can give you the best preaching. We can give you the best music. We can do everything to equip you. But when it all settles down, spiritual growth is up to you. Either you want to grow in God or you don't. Amen. If we're going to grow in God, it's going to be because we want to grow in God. It's going to be because you want to live for God. That's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation. Don't blame it on the preacher 
if things aren't going right. Don't blame it on Sister Sally. Don't blame it on the... You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is reverence. That is fear of God. Knowing that man doesn't judge, but God judges. When you stand before God, it's you that's going to have to give an account of what did you do to further your relationship with God. Not how many times did you turn cartwheels in church. Not how many laps did you run. What did you do to grow in God? When it's all said and done, that's what it's going to be about. How much effort did you put forth to grow in God? If you reach the place of perfection, which is heaven, It'll be because you allow the process of perfecting to work in your life. People who don't like the perfecting won't enjoy the perfection. Because it takes the perfecting or the process to get the promise. You have to be open. In the potter's house, there were two locations, the wheel and the field. The only thing different was how pliable was the clay. That determined where you spent your time. Either you spent it on the wheel or you spent it in the field. The only difference was the clay. So it is in the spirit. Your destination is determined by how pliable you are in God's hands. How pliable, how open you are to the spirit. I want to be open to what God wants to do in my life. I want to be pliable in the hands of the master. Let's look at this chapter, if you don't mind, brother, putting them up on the screen for me. Let's start with verses 1 through 3. This will depict David's dependency on God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me. In this, what is this? This denotes verse 1 in which he said, the Lord is my light. That's what I'm going to be confident in. I'm going to be confident in where my ability comes from. In who my dependency is on. David understood that my dependency has to be upon God. Hear me tonight. If you're going to live for God, the prototype of a perfect Christian begins with dependency upon God. Not what you can do to work out your own situation. We're human. We don't like to enter into anything that's unknown. And the hardest part of living for God is the unknown. But your dependency has to be upon God. If your dependency isn't upon God, then it's going to crumble. Because you can only handle so much. You can only, you can only navigate and put people in place so much. But if your dependency, dependency is upon God, then you let God orchestrate all your situations. You let God take care of everything. Hear me tonight. If you're doing, if you're living for God for any other reason than pleasing Him, it's the wrong reason. I come to church that I want to please God. I don't come to church because I'm afraid that my pastor's going to find out I wasn't here. I come to church because I've come to commune with God. I know people that are doing things out of, they feel like obligation. They don't want to upset somebody if they say no. 
So therefore, they would rather do it and not have their heart in it and be a burden rather than let somebody else do it because they want to do it for the kingdom of God. Hear me. You don't do this out of obligation. You do it out of love. I live for God because I love God. Not because someone's making me do this. I, I, I come to church. I, I started singing on choir. I was 12 years old because I wanted to do it for God. I just love God. I, I couldn't sing a lick. Every time I sang, I had my mic off. But I love God. And I just wanted to sing. Hear me. We need people who would do it for God. I come to church for the Lord. I'm a Sunday school teacher to be pleasing to God. I sing up here to be pleasing to God. Not because someone, I don't want to disappoint someone. Or I want to let someone down. I'd rather someone be honest with me and say, you know what? I just, I don't have my heart in it. And let somebody who wants to put their heart in it do it. Amen. Y'all smile and praise the Lord. When you're depending on God alone, hell can buck and snort and kick and scream. But they can't shake you because your dependency is not on man-made things. It's upon God. It's upon God. It's about having a relationship with God. Relationship. Relationship. This thing is a relationship. It's not religion. It's a relationship. And it relationships are built upon communication and openness. You know, one day I was praying and I was just getting after it, praying, 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 praying. And I was so proud of myself. I prayed for a long time and, and I was just done. And the Lord spoke to me and said, when can I talk? And I said, oh, okay. And he began to work me over. He said, you spent all this time talking. I never got to talk to you. I never got to tell you how I felt. And so then after, when I started praying from then on, I would pray, 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 and then I would just, I would just listen. Wouldn't do anything. Because the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the mind of God is not subject to posture. It's not subject to time. It's not subject to a place of prayer. If you walk with the mind of God, then you could be walking down the road and God can speak to you because you've got the mind of God. You're accessing the spiritual realm of God. You could be in the grocery store and the Lord said, pray for someone. That's the mind of God. People think, well, God can't speak unless I'm in a certain posture. That's not so. The mind of God is readily available if you access it in the spirit realm. The mind of God. The mind of God. When you have a relationship, you know how it is. In fact, on the way here, I said something to my wife and she goes, I was just thinking that. So it is with the spirit. When you're in a relationship with God, you're open to the mind of God. And you're thinking the same wavelengths as God thinks. Amen. Amen. Relationship. Verses 4 will depict, verses 4 through 6 will depict another dimension that will make up the perfect Christian. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Next verse, verse number 5. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Next verse. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises 
unto the Lord. David had desire. I feel what is lacking today in the church is desire. People either need to live for God because they want to or don't live for God at all. Hear me. I, I, I worked with young people for years. They were raised on a church pew. They knew all the, th- the ins and the outs. But one thing they lacked was desire. You let someone be delivered from drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and all of these things and they come in and God fills them with the Holy Ghost and they're cleansed and they're on fire for God. You'll see a passion. You'll see a desire. Because it's, it, God changed their life. But what happens to people who have been accustomed to this for years and years and years is they lose their desire and they substitute it with obligation. I'm not obligated to do this. This is a privilege that I have because God saved my soul and covered my sins with the blood of the Lamb. Hear me, church should not be approached out of obligation but desire. I want to live for God. I want to to do what is right in the eyes of God. Desire will drive you to be a servant for God. A servant. I'll, I'll, I'll make this statement, but I don't mean it towards adults. But you'll understand where I'm coming from because you as parents and adults will notice or have noticed a generational shift in the past few years. But servants have been replaced by superstars. And you have a generation of young people, my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger. They don't want the servant towel. They want the microphone. They know they can sing. They know they've got talent. But they've got wrong motives. They've got wrong motives. When you have a desire to do things for God, the woman with the, with the alabaster box, all she had was a desire to be in the presence of God. All she had was a desire to be pleasing to the Lord. But we have, we have nurtured a generation, not we as in the church, but we as in the world, have brought up a generation that doesn't want to serve. They want to lead. And if all you have is cheese, then all you've got is chaos. Because no one wants to take orders. Hear me. The church is all about order. God put a man of God in here for order. If he wanted chaos, he'd have just gathered a bunch of people in here and said, y'all just fend for yourselves. That's chaos. But when a man of God stands in a pulpit or a man of God sits across from the desk and gives counsel, it's because he's trying to give order to the things of God. He doesn't want people just running around, everybody doing their own thing. It's all about order. And if you have a desire to be pleasing to God, then you will be open to order. You will be open to counsel. You'll be open to direction. Hear me. He said, he said one thing about his hour of the Lord, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a safe place. It should be kept a safe place. I know of people that will not go to certain churches because 
They don't want people to talk about them. They don't want people to judge them. All of that kind of, that shouldn't happen in the house of God because this is a safe place. It should be open to anybody that comes through those doors. It doesn't matter what they look like because this is a safe place. This is a place of restoration. I don't want, here's what's funny. Oh, help me, Lord. It's not funny, but I'm trying to figure out how to say this the right way without making people mad at me. Everybody smile. Praise God. We are some of the only people that will kill our own and accept the outsiders. In the nicest way possible. We will crucify people in our own church that have had their problems. But yet, when somebody totally new comes through the door, we'll, we'll all jump on them and pray them through and love them. Well, why don't you love the person you've been crucifying all week? Why don't you love the person that you've been spreading gossip about for the past month? Can y'all smile at me? Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. I'm just talking what's on my heart. We just need to love everybody. Because when you have a desire to love God and live for God, then you'll embrace everybody. You're not going to kick them while they're down. You're going to help pick them up and say, you know what? Let the blood of Jesus cover that. I'm going to love you the same before you messed up as I do after you messed up. I'm going to love you all the same. I'm going to love you all the same. Because I have a desire to be pleasing to God. Desire. Because this is a safe place. It's a safe place. Amen. The next verse, verses 7 through 10. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. This is indicative, verses 7 through 10, of divine assistance. David knew that there are some things that he just could not do. He had to have the help from the Lord. He said, the face, Lord, thy face, Lord, will I seek. I remember another verse where it said, if my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. By seeking his face, you are seeking his characteristics and his nature. See, plenty of people love the right hand of God, the right hand of power, the high, the miracle, all the great things that God does. But he said, no, my people are going to seek my nature. They're going to seek to be like me. They're going to seek to look like me. They're going to seek to act like me. Because when you take, when you seek his, his presence, his presence, he'll give you his presence. But too many people want the gifts or the presence, but not the presence. We like the presence. The gifts on Sunday night. We like the blessings. We like the miracles. But what about the presence of God at 3 o'clock in the morning in your bedroom? What about the presence of God when no one else is looking? I'm talking about seeking His face. 
There are some things David said I can't do in and of myself. The only way it's going to happen is by the divine hand of God. And there are people that will spend years trying to orchestrate their own blessings. One man yesterday told me, he, he hooked up some stuff for me in my truck and I said, let me pay you something. He said, son, I learned a long time ago that the Lord always pays better. I said, yes, sir. Lord bless you. When you let the Lord do it, when you let God take care of your circumstances, when you let God fight your battles and stop trying to fight them in the flesh, stop trying to justify certain things, stop trying to, to defend certain things because you heard this through the rumor mill. You put it in God's hands. When you let God do it, God takes care of it way better than we can. God handles all of the backbiting and the gossip and all of that naysaying. He handles that far better than we do. The old saying, when people try to defend themselves, your, your, your friends don't need it and your enemies won't believe it. So don't sit there and try to exhaust yourself defending your reputation. Put your reputation in God's hands. If what you did is wrong, put it in God's hands and put it in the blood. If you didn't do anything, then let God deal with those people. Let God handle it. Just let God do it. Verses 11 through 3. Verse 11. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. Verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, teach me thy way, O Lord. This is indicative of direction. David needed direction. The only way he could get direction was from God. And the only way that you and I can get direction is from God. The Bible said, trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In other words, don't trust your own judgment. There's a higher direction that comes from God. As a Christian, you must remember that God still knows best. God's ways are still higher. His thoughts are still higher. Your direction must come from God or the man of God. You know, I used to go to big services I used to be what I would call a conference junkie. In other words, you, you see these guys that all they do is go to conference, 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 conference. And they always seeking words from the Lord. I wasn't that bad. I would go to camp meeting. I would go to a conference here or there. But I was always go to these conferences. And I'd be like, all right, God, I want brother so-and-so to come to me and give me the word from the Lord. And I would leave disappointed every time. I mean, leave disappointed every single time. And so finally one day I was praying. I said, God, I need a word from the Lord. I, I need a word from the Lord. I need a word from the Lord. And he said, I give it to you every time the preacher goes to the pulpit. He said, I'm giving you direction every time the preacher goes to the pulpit and preaches the word. So when I started opening my ears, we all like, we all want somebody to come up here and say, you're going to get $7,000 next week. Just go to the mail and start dancing five times around. The, and you're going to get a check for 5000 We all love that. But if we're open to the Spirit, 
Every time the man of God comes here and preaches the word of God, you're getting a word from God. You're getting a word from the Lord. And when I approach church with that mindset, it's amazing. God never stopped talking to me. I was getting word, words all the time. Every time I couldn't wait to go to church, I was getting a word from God every time. But it was because my mindset had changed. My approach to the word of God no longer was it just. It was, oh, this is God talking to me. This is the word of God. I was getting direction for my life. I was getting a word from God. Hear me. Your direction has to come from God. It has to. You'll be miserable if you walk in your own direction. The Lord gave me a scripture this afternoon. It's for somebody here. I don't know. But it says Haggai 1, 5 through 7. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth the wages, earneth the wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. When God showed me that, I said, God, what, what is the meaning behind this? He said, this passage denotes a discontented person. Discontentment. You eat, you're not full. You drink, you're not satisfied. You try to put on clothes, you're not warm. Everything is discontent. Can I talk to someone in the building tonight that you've tried to walk your own way, you've tried to do your own thing, you thought you knew what was best, but you're discontent. You're trying to eat your old worldly pleasures, but you're not satisfied. You're trying to drink, but you're not satisfied. You're trying to put on clothes, but you're not satisfied. You're discontent. 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 Why? Because you went your own direction. You went the way that was you thought was best for you. If we're all honest, we can all say there's been times that we'd strayed and we we just went our own way. I'm honest. Hey, there's times I had God had to yank me back in line. We're human. Remember, we're not perfected. We're in the process of perfecting. So it's not a mark against your character. It's a compliment that you decided to get back in line with the will of God. We all have times where we've gone different ways. And you can't let your past predict your future. You say, you know what, God, I may have messed up, but let's get back over here where you want me to be. You let me get in line with the will of God. And your past mess-ups does not have to affect your future in God. You just let God give you direction and you walk in obedience to what God wants you to do. Your direction has to come from God. I'm asking you tonight, consider your ways. Just consider, where have you been? Where does God want you to be? And how do I get back in line with where God wants me to be? There are people that come all the time to churches. Good people. But they're discontent. And what's, what's bad is when your discontent spreads from your mouth to other people. That's where it's dangerous. It's one thing to be discontent and just keep it to yourself. That's fine. It's a lot easier to fix it right here than it is out here. Amen. But when you start letting that discontentment spread to other people who may not be discontent, but they're open and your discontentment spreads on them and they start looking at things and going, well, you know what? That don't make sense either. Why did he do that? Why did he allow that person to do that? Why? 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 
discontent. And you may have been perfectly fine, but you were open to someone who was. You got to beware of those people that come around. You got to beware. You know how you recognize a, a wolf in sheep's clothing? You look at their tracks. You look at their tracks. They may look like a sheep. They may bat like a sheep. But the one thing they can't mimic is their feet. They can't mimic their tracks. And you look at the tracks of that person. Look at their track record. And see who they've affected. You get somebody coming in. And they start dancing. And they start worshiping this and that. And you may think they're the most, they should be in the Godhead. They're so spiritual. But you better believe there's a man of God that's going to check on their track record. Because you don't want to put somebody in a position that could destroy or divide. So you don't, when somebody comes in and they look like they have it all together, but they're having to sit for a little while, don't get mad. Don't wonder why they're not being used. There's probably a good reason because they may have tried to split a church before they came here. Praise God. Amen. Don't you love the Holy Ghost tonight? You got to look at the track. People have to get direction from God or the man of God. Verse 14, I'm closing real quickly. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait I say on the Lord. David wasn't talking to me. He was delighting himself in the Lord. He was telling, he was telling old David, David, you just wait. You be of good courage. The Lord's going to strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. He was delighting himself in the Lord. Because when you're at home at 3 o'clock in the morning and your world's caving in and you don't have time to call a pastor, all you have is the Word of God in yourself, you can delight yourself. You don't have to be in a service with music blaring and everybody running, shock-a-moan everywhere. You're delighting yourself in the Lord. You're delighting yourself in the Lord. I'm talking about the prototype of a perfect Christian, I want to strive to be perfect like Jesus. Am I perfect? Far from it. We're all in the process of perfecting. But our dependency has to be upon God. Our dependency has to be on God. We have to have direction from God. We have to delight ourselves in the Lord. We have to have divine assistance. Stand with me right now. You know, David said, be of good courage. Nobody likes the wait. Nobody likes the wait. The hardest part, I think harder than overcoming sin, is the wait. Because it is the, it is the gray area of uncertainty. We think we know a way. We think this is what God's going to do. We think. But nothing's happening. We're just waiting. David told himself, he said, you be of good courage. You know, John Wayne said, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. 
And there's times where we're scared out of our mind in our circumstances. We have no direction. We're just waiting on God. We're waiting. We're trying not to move to the left or to the right. We're waiting. But courage says, you know what? You may be scared out of your mind, but you keep living for God anyway. David was regarded as a man after God's own heart. And after reading this chapter this afternoon, I understand why. This chapter is full. I spent a lot of time tonight slowing things down because I wanted to help someone tonight. If we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be a body, if we're going to be a people after God's own heart, then we have to understand what it takes to be that person. We have to understand what it takes to be a Christian, to live for God to the best of our ability. Direction has to come from God. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm paused in the Holy Ghost on that because there are people in this very room that your direction has not come from God. It's not come from the man of God. Perhaps you went against the, the total advice given from the man of God. Close your, close your eyes and bow your heads, please, just for a moment. I feel like talking to someone in the Holy Ghost. You may have walked the path that you chose. You may have done the things that you chose. You may have followed after advice given from other people that you thought meant well. You thought they were your friends. You thought they loved you. But now you realize maybe I didn't make the best choice. Maybe I didn't know exactly what was best for my life. That doesn't have to stop you from being what God wants you to be. That doesn't have to stop you from heeding the voice of God speaking to your life tonight. That doesn't have to stop you in any way from responding and living for God from this day forward. What matters is, what do I do tonight? What decision do I make tonight to live for God or to go back, go in my own direction? I ask tonight, would you just consider your ways? Consider your ways. I believe tonight I would be correct in making this statement that everyone in the building wants to live for God. I believe everyone in the building loves God. This is a safe place. This is a place of mercy. It's a place of love. It's not a place of judgment. We're not judging you. We're not casting stones at you. We're loving you. Because when we messed up and we did things that we weren't proud of, God loved us. God took us in. Nobody threw stones at us, but people loved us. People loved us. I wonder tonight, if you want to live for God, and you said tonight, preacher, I want to do everything within my ability to live for God and strive for, perfect, for perfection. Would you slip your hand in the air right now? I want to do anything I have to do to make it to heaven. That's beautiful. With your hand raised tonight, I'm asking you, would you make your way to the front? All across the building, this is a beautiful sign. As there is a body of people that steps out and says, I want to, I want to move. Would you make your way to the front right now? Everyone that had your hand raised, I invite you right now to the front. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, God. I want to be a Christian from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I want to be a Christian.